and welcome and thank you for tuning in to let's try that again welcome and thank you for tuning in to radio free brooklyn we are not just for laughs uh joined in the studio by timmy daniels and my hey. co-host uh max hollander why don't we both say hi how's everybody doing today hello there how you doing welcome yeah welcome uh thank you for welcome. Thank you for joining us. I don't know why I'm welcoming people. <laughs> welcome. Well, you've That's just been job, all welcome right? each other here. It's totally fine. Huh. It's a it's a, it's a happy place, and you've just been introduced to Timmy Daniels, who welcomes people to other people's shows. Yes. And do, I think, do you do that in people's homes? Too? Yes, I like to uh, break in and go, "Hey, welcome back." I uh, okay. got something cooking <laughs> on the stove there. I don't. I hope you don't mind. I ate a lot of it. Do you tend to know these people, or are they strangers? No, just strangers. Ah, uh, very nice. Yeah, uh, very nice. I'm sure they take that well. Yeah. Yeah. They but love it. It saves you. <laughs> it saves you on food. You gotta eat. Yeah, you gotta town. eat somehow. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a genius hack, if you ask me. You know, no the one first did. the first thing I did in this city was a food hack. Really? Uh, I guess I'll tell you. I well, thought you the first thing you did in the city was break into a home and invite people in. No, no. But for for real, the first thing I I moved here from Tampa, Florida, and uh, how long ago? Uh, five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah, to me. And I really. You know, you got to eat somehow. And I realized, all right, the way I look right now wasn't, wasn't, you know, it didn't look very uh, upscale or anything. I kind of looked like, yeah, that guy's living in his car. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's actually true because I I mean, we can talk about that later because that is something you did. You moved here from Tampa. Mm -hmm. You definitely have your own uh, way of doing things. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Which is which is commendable. But before before we start, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Okay. Uh, let's start with where you're from. We know Tampa. Mm-hmm. What did your parents do, and where did you go to school? All right, so uh, I moved here from Tampa, but I was born in Flint, Michigan. So oh. uh, I lived in uh, Tampa for ten years, and. I spent a considerable amount of time in Michigan as well. How's the uh, water down there? <laughs> contaminated. I heard it's a little uh, spicy <laughs> well, water. It's contaminated. Uh, every now and then if I do a weird twitch or something or pull out a knife, <laughs> it's just the lead water. See, I that's just not fair. you got to check your privilege. You've got an excuse every time you twitch or say something weird. For me, lead I'm water. from Providence, Rhode Island. It's all me. No excuse. <laughs> no excuse. Yeah. I'm getting free scholarships now for drinking lead water. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd great, be though. Great. I'd, I'd sign up for that. Um, so, yeah, I was born in Flint, Michigan, and that was my father's side of the family, my mother's side, uh, Floridians, crazy Floridians. Yeah, Florida and Michigan. When we first met, because Timmy and I mm-hmm. are good friends, Timmy Where was. Where did we meet? Tim, Timmy, we, we met in a sketch writing class. Um, at the Magnet Theater, but Timmy right. is probably the first, if not the one of the first, if not the first, comedy friend I made in New York City. Oh, cool! Yeah, I remember yeah. when we met at that. We met in a comedy sketch class, and I remember Timmy showed up like twenty minutes late, rock wearing and a kangaroo leather hat with <laughs> like alligator tooth necklaces, and <laughs> totally unapologetic. <laughs> You came in, you're like, Haha, with that signature laugh you just heard. <laughs> and Walking somebody yelled, hey, that life. guy lives in his car. Very likely. Yeah, I, I was. I remember it was Armando Diaz. And yes. he is supposed to be one of the, the greats as far as teachers. Yeah, he teaches sketch at the Magnet. He also founded the Magnet. Magnet I think he yeah. also, mm-hmm. he was the one, him and uh, Ali, who started the pit, both left UCB at the same time, and I think Ali helped him start. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, because I'm the... doing a lot of stuff at the pit now. What a group that must have been, like, when they're all together. For you sure, know, yeah, for sure. I always think about that sort of thing when I'm hanging out with my comedian friends. I try to stay in touch, you know, try yeah. to keep that warm thing going because I always kind of, I don't know, I, like, have this movie idea. Like, every time I'm, I'm doing anything, I kind of, like, I can... You know, when I was staying in my car, for instance, when I first moved here, uh, I didn't worry. I thought this is going to make a good movie someday. Didn't occur to me. Maybe it won't make a good movie. Maybe it'll make a horrible story at my funeral. <laughs> like, yeah, I just uh, I kept that demented uh, vision, which I don't know why I had this this clear vision of the future. It's not like I have a good self-esteem, I don't think. But anyway, this was. Uh, yeah. I moved okay. here from Tampa, went to school, uh, both places, and then I came here and uh, started taking comedy classes. Oh, at yeah, UCB. At, at UCB. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Was it stand-up classes? 
So that was the improv. first class. Yeah, Max. That was uh, that was the first thing I was blown away. I was like, hold up for a minute here. You can take a class in comedy. Uh, what? What, what is going on? It's a pretty cool thing. It happens to be, I can't remember where specifically this is. There's a new program, at, I believe, in L.A. where you can actually get a college degree, an undergrad, like, bachelor's oh in comedy. That is so cool. Within the theater program there, which is super cool. I, I had heard that stand-up comedy had started in New York City. And uh, I just thought that was, uh, it's like, wow, this is this is the Mecca. This is where you go. Did you come here for comedy? Like, why yeah, did you come here? that's exactly why I came here. Did you do comedy in Tampa before you came here? Yeah, I started in Tampa. I was doing uh, radio spots. So was yeah, you got radio. started on his radio. Yeah, I, uh, there was a radio show down there, Bubba the Love Sponge. Bubba the <laughs> Love would, Sponge. Yeah, I would do. Uh... SpongeBob's Forgotten Cousin. <laughs> <laughs> Send us weird, money if you're listening. Yeah, but uh, I would do. Uh, Kind of weird stunts. I was like the idiot sidekick kind of person. I wasn't like the sidekick, but I was a idiot sidekick that would do. Uh, I mean, we had a thing called Bubba Saul once where he locked us in a shed for three days and fed us through these doors. Are you and, serious? And, and this yeah. was, there was no visual component to this. It was purely there was audio. a visual component. You could log on to he had uh, he had cameras in it, and you could log on to the internet. Are you probably, sure? It probably lives out there somewhere. Where are you? Are you sure you weren't just kidnapped? Is that, is that, <laughs> I that's really what, when, when I heard shen, like radio radio shenanigans, I was like, oh, he does funny voices. And then you're like, yeah. well, they locked us in a closet for a non-visual medium. I, I this think show just... may have break the law <laughs> occasionally. Actually, they got in trouble for that occasionally. They had uh, some FCC fines and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I started doing stand-up comedy at Wait, night. They, they got FCC fines or you're saying they should have? Yeah, they got a fine. I wasn't there at the time or anything but they got a fine for killing a hog they didn't actually do it but they pretended that they prompted it and they slaughtered it on the air by playing the sounds and they they got in a lot of trouble over that's it. actually really funny they had to fight it in court that's great. <laughs> so these are the kind of people i remember they did a shot collar trivia so you it was a trivia question like any old trivia but if you got it wrong they would hit the dog collar thing and I just want to highlight, this is a non-visual medium. So none yeah. of this really had to be real, but they yeah. did it. But they did it anyway. I went to a stand-up okay. show like that. Okay. It was an open mic at UCB East, and one of the performers, uh, I'm not sure if he was faking or not, because mm-hmm. I don't know who the performer is, but he wore a shock collar, and he handed me the remote, and he said, My God. Hit it every time you think it's a bad joke. Because I want to, uh, I want to, what's now, it called? That is shock therapy. Yeah. That's, right, he's like positive reinforcement. I want to get better at doing jokes, and I think it was semi-real. I'm, I'm, I'm ninety-nine percent sure it's a low, low voltage. But yeah, you there were times the when I would on. test it, and he would jump, even if he was like mid-joke. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> that's it. That's a that's a crazy idea, though. Yeah, like that's, uh, this this place is no short of ideas like that. Let me I, tell you. <laughs> that's what I love about stand-up, though, is especially like deconstructing it because. I get where that probably came from. He was probably sitting on his couch one day and was like, hmm, I remember that one psychology 101 I took. How funny would it be? <laughs> this I is how you know there. we're comedians when we all sit around and go, you know, I get it. I yeah, get the idea of putting I a totally dog collar on you and shocking you. It just makes sense. <clears throat> the foundation of <laughs> this is strong. Like that could have been me if I would have had the idea first. Yeah. You could picture yeah. the scenario where you're like, all right. Here's what we're gonna do today at work as grown adults. <laughs> that's like that's one of my um, like my my fiance's most defining traits about me, and I think yeah, like to you, what you said about being a comedian, right. like very much is it. Like there, there's nothing that can happen that I won't be like okay maybe because like it's all it all could be a bit at one point. So yeah, I just I, let it go. I just let anything go. So that's what my uh, therapist was telling me. He was like, "You're living the dream." I was like, how yeah. do you figure? I have no money. I'm going through all my woes like we do. We tend to. We do. And he was like, listen, if you're having a great day, you're having a great day. Things are good. If you're having a bad day, you get a bit out of it. You can. You have the gift where you can turn this into something. You can take this and, and mm. make it mean something. And I don't know why, but that really uh, not only did it click with me, but I was like, you know, I am pretty lucky that yeah. I, I can take the time to go, all right, what just bothered me about this, write it down and process it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people can't do that. I think I would go mad if I couldn't process these yeah. things because I've been, you know, I've tried to be normal. Yeah. <laughs> I, a normal job. It was I think the last week, 
and we'll talk about normal jobs. Hopefully, we'll get to that. But last right. week, we had a guest who mentioned <clears throat> how his therapist said, uh, how silly of a thing uh, is it to get stressed out about comedy? Like, um, right. that's what's stressing you out. And then on We're top so of lucky. that is what you're saying is not only is it such a privilege to perform comedy and getting right. to break rules all the time, but you also have this self-therapy that you have access to where if 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 my train stops for half an hour, which that happened a few weeks ago, I wrote a joke about it. And right. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but like that was a way to deal with it. To spend at least the time I get, and feel productive. And, yeah, I have yeah. something that I can I can I can channel that through. There's the other argument that a normal, healthy mind of a normal person could deal with a few <laughs> minutes of silence, but no, we no. can't. The mind's still racing. No, we have to. That's no. an argument. There's like a option. psychological. I don't like that option. No. I like pretending I'm completely normal and everyone else is the weirdo. Yeah, that's what I try to tell myself, but uh, my entire life proves otherwise. <laughs> the decision-making process is broken up here somewhere. But so, uh, yeah, so um, I moved yeah. here with... So you, uh, moved, so you moved here, uh, you were doing radio and stand-up. Uh -huh. uh, I met you doing sketch and we did improv together for a while. So why don't you tell us a little about uh your journey through the different types of comedy real quick okay. um yeah just touching on each one because i think one thing that we've discussed a lot is a lot of times you have one person some people do one thing whether right. it's a time constraint or whether it's because they want to uh they just want to give it their all you usually have a stand-up comedian mm -hmm. improv is a little bit a little of everything but you usually have a sketch comedian or um it's rare <laughs> to have someone who does everything I think people love to categorize. So someone likes to say, I am a plumber. I yeah. am a stand-up comedian. We say we are this thing, mm -hmm. but it's a little bit odd in a way to say, I am this thing. You know, I watched, uh, I was on an airplane doing my travel hacking, which we can oh, talk yes. about later, but I was watching a, a thing on uh, Robin Williams. And when Robin Williams first did stand-up comedy, everyone their reaction, if you go listen to these old uh, tapes and uh, videos and stuff, they're like, we didn't know what we were seeing. It was the most amazing thing. We were all blown away as stand-ups. Yeah. And you can break it down as to why. Robin Williams had gone to school not for stand-up or comedy. He had studied at Juilliard. Right. He was a highly trained actor who had gone to festivals in Scotland. Then he spent a large amount of time doing improv by the time he showed up for stand-up day one, he was really, really good at mm. something. It wasn't stand-up, but all of these things kind of feed into each other. And if he were to say yeah. at that point, I am an actor, but I'm doing stand-up now, like he just kind of went with it. Yeah. And I think that in answer to your question, I started, I, I guess I do subscribe to that to some extent. I identify with being a stand-up comedian. Okay. You know, there's something about that life that just feels, I make sense. When I tell that to someone yeah. and they and look at me, they go, uh-huh. Yeah. Like even in the office I'm at, when I say that, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm saying I'm a little bit slow. They treat you like, <laughs> oh, you're, oh, no, no, it's okay. He's a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Like you can, yeah, there's a truth yeah. to that. And I, but I also feel like stand-up is the purest form. So if you tell someone I'm a stand-up comedian, they're like, right. oh, you do comedy. And then if you tell someone you do stand, if you're a stand-up comedian and then you also do sketch, no one blinks twice. I just saw John Mulaney. Uh, I just saw the movie John Mulaney's in the new Spider-Man. And I was like, yeah, he's a comedian. Of course he'd voice a comedic character. Yeah, there's some that seem to go hand in hand. I went from stand-up, so I took the classes. I okay. took a class. And with, this was um, in Florida. Um, uh, in Florida, there were no classes. That's why I was so blown away when I got here. Mm. That's why I wanted to stay. But I we we were doing writers groups. We were doing stand up comedy and then writers groups, and uh, that was great. Yeah, the infamous writers group. There's so many you go through. Yeah, like that, no one talks about loose. that. They the millions just... and millions of writers groups growing on every year, and they, they fold, just... they crash and burn, yeah. and they're like this universe that's constantly imploding and rebuilding and this sort of thing like yeah oh, i guess that group's done nobody's here anymore yeah Kinda it's like I, improv the same thing improv is the exact same way for anyone who hasn't been part of it it's with comedy you have a lot of people who uh, are drawn to comedy because it's a bit of a free space and you take one class you meet a few people you get that adrenaline rush you start right. a group little by little one person drops out because of a class one person moves out of new york one person just just 
doesn't want to show up and it implodes. And then the next class, you're like, we're going to next time you take a class, you meet a new group of people. And you're like, this is going to be the group that makes this is it the famous. These are the ones. And I every know, time. Because you still hold on to that dream view. Like, yeah. we're all going to make it. You have to have that, I think. You have to have some hidden core that gives you that energy that says, no, I know. I know your parents. <laughs> I know your brother's a doctor, but it's okay that yeah. you've decided you're just going to be a comedian. That's yeah. perfectly fine and normal. But I feel like Max may have a little bit of a different experience just because you've only done stand-up. So it's a lot more solitary than we, we've dabbled in other stuff. That definitely has. That. Why do we suddenly feel so shameful? Uh, <laughs> suddenly, there's feel dirty. like he's you a guys pure have slept child. around the comedy world. I, <laughs> I felt really uh, dirty for a comedy that. slut. I was actually going to ask a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been solitary in that I've only really done stand up, and I've also right. just done it at open mics, and I've only really just tried it. Um, I never really understood the concept of a class in stand up. Uh, I sort of understand the concept of an improv class, and that. For one thing, it's a uh -huh. group like you guys are saying, and there's there's rules to improv, and it's right. a lot of practice. Um, but stand up, and we, uh, I believe we spoke about this last week a little bit. It's very much about like sort of like finding your voice and your very what, true. What, like what's about you, what it is about you that's for, that's funny, and then projecting that onto an audience. So how do you learn how to do that in a class setting? Do you? Like, that's a great question. It's one that we think about a lot. Uh, at, when you're at an open mic, I would say the majority of people would probably be against that. The, if you uh, had an open mic and there were 20 people and you asked them, hey, what do you think about stand-up comedy classes? They'd be like, yeah, you kind of just have to do it. There's a truth to that. However, uh, what motivates us? What tells us, I want to do this thing, and then we actually execute it? Well, what I found out is when I take a stand-up comedy class, I'm accountable now. I have to show up every week, and I'm in front of people no matter what. Uh, I've paid for it right. against... All other things. And money is a motivator for a broke comedian. Money is an extreme motivator. And also the fact that now I've got some, you know, how much do you like someone when you find out they're a comic? I automatically, like everyone in this room, if <laughs> I had just met you, I would have been, yeah, they're comics. I mean, it's something about these guys. <laughs> I just like, um, it's a great environment. It's nice to hang out with people that are like-minded. And then you're being, every week you got to do something and you show up and you have a mentor. Yeah. Now, Everybody subscribes to that 10,000 hours kind of thing. Yeah. I, would, I would say in general, you need about 10,000 hours to be an expert in a field, but they've done further studies and they, uh, they've proven that of, the, of that time, you can't just be repeating something. Uh, you need some kind of guidance or it has mentor. to be active learning and guided learning. learning. Yeah. If you look at sports teams, uh, a sports star doesn't become just a sports star by himself. He has like 10 people behind him. It's like the military. He has, uh, he has a doctor that's for him. He has, they have a defensive coach. They have an offensive coach. They have someone who caters to, they, they get trained on these little exercises like with improv. I think having the mentor and being forced to do it every week. And then you do a, a class show at the end. And the person who teaches the stand-up comedy class is usually the booking agent. So uh, over time, I know all the okay. booking agents in the city and it looks like I'm better than I am. It looks like, but I just know people. And now they reach out and go, Hey, how's it going? Uh, I'm going to do an, I'm going to do a bringer show. If you could just bring two people, you could do like eight minutes. Would you be interested in that? And I go, yeah, yeah, of course. I would love to get more time in front of a crowd. So by paying for it, I know it yeah. still feels a little dirty, I yeah. agree, but by taking these classes, you network more. And I think in the end, it's it's better. I, I, I think, think I would defend doing that. I think you're you're saying a good point. Um, and I, the only the only thing I would jump in on that is um, one thing I understand because I feel it the same way is I do believe stand up is a little purer. Um, even though that's ridiculous because in some ways sketch is really pure. You get to create, you get to use different visuals. It's a lot more three dimensional, but right. I see stand up as very pure in that it's straight from your heart. Like a lot of comedy that I respect, they're talking about important things also or real life experiences. And I worry that taking a class, a teacher <laughs> is going to divert my my voice yeah but way. think about how hard it is just to change your opinion on something your voice is your voice right um i think 
with that kind of thinking, you would take the risk at watching any comedian more than once. And that did happen. I would watch a lot of Doug, Doug Stanhope and Mitch Hedberg. Right. And over time, I realized, oh, my God, I sound just like them. I didn't steal their jokes or anything, but I seem to have borrowed their cadence. Which is fine. There's this wonderful book that I'm sure you've read as well called Steal Like an Artist, mm. which has a quote in the beginning from Picasso that said, Good, uh, bad artists uh, copy, mm-hmm. great artists steal. That's funny. Because stealing is you take an idea, you watch Mitch Hedberg, right. and then you say, I'm going to take what he did, but I'm going to funnel it through my voice. I'm going to make it my own. Who, right. who, who did they attribute that quote to? Picasso. Is that incorrect? He didn't say that. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up I'm, right I'm now. I'm so certain he didn't say that. But also just to comment quickly on the pressure thing. Um, I really I hear that about the pressure and paying money. Right. Uh, however, I have a mom who found out that I did it once. So now we go we Wait, go what? everywhere, and she tells them that I'm a stand up. So that's enough pressure for me. Yes, keep going back. But yes, yeah, mo- the, the monetary thing is also very important for sure. And yeah. uh, maybe I should try it. No, especially because of the mentor thing. And, uh, do, and also, are you still in touch with mentors that you had, like even at the very beginning of your of your New York um, stay? Yeah, I would say so. Like it's exciting now. Like I just did a podcast with uh, Melissa Diaz. And uh, I just like, it's so cool to see people that you went to comedy school with like four or five years ago and to see the growth they've had and it inspires you. You know, I'm starting to see people that I was taking classes with and some of them are headlining. Some of them are doing hour long shows. Some of them have moved on to acting and they're, they have good roles. So. Yeah. One of our mutual friends just moved to Las Vegas for a show. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. And what show? Uh, he's an understudy for Tape Face. For Tape Face. Yeah, and he was on the improv team that I started yeah. about two years ago. Yeah. But he had just moved, I think he had just moved to New York, and mm-hmm. I don't How did you meet him? Let's not say names just in case, but like... Uh, I had uh, joined a an improv practice group, and he was there, and when I started my own, I just drafted the people that I liked working with. And yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, so that's where I met him. At that that Wait. moment, it was like a few weeks ago when I found out, it hit me. I was like, this is real. Yeah. Like, this is it. That, that happens <laughs> to me sometimes. I start looking around. I go, I need to take a moment and breathe for a second because you yeah. get so busy. I'm like, this is kind of cool. I know people on multiple TV shows right now. I know people, you know, uh, that are doing really cool things. I know someone who was on the Hamilton tour that I went to school with at the theater school. That's so, crazy. And, and to keep things, uh, I guess, linear on this, so the stand-up comedy classes, um, that came first. And I couldn't have enough. And like you say, there wasn't a structured format for, well, here's how you become a comedian. First, you get a degree, okay. and then you get a master's in Sounds stand-up good. comedy. And, of course, you get your PhD in stand-up comedy. Har, har. <laughs> like the, and then I started thinking, well, why isn't there? And yeah. if there was what would it look like? And I was bound and determined to take every single class. I'd read a book from Steve Martin uh, and Born he, Standing he, Up. Born Standing Up. Incredible book. Incredible that book great? that I that read book. thanks to Matt. Yes. I, he I, gave me the book I got and I read it. I do the same thing. I recommend it to people all the time. There's a line in Incredible there book. where he talks about, listen, don't print out a business card. Don't make yourself a web page. Just get good. Yeah. Get so good, they can't ignore you. Just get good. Yeah. That's your only... If you get good, don't, everything no else No one can ignore you. Be and, too good to be ignored. Yes. And then so another author, uh, Cal Newport, wrote a book, uh, Too Good to Be Ignored, or something like that. So Good They Can't Ignore You, I think yeah. was the name of the book. And By that's the, the book where... I'm an artist. Thank yes, you, Picasso. We're, we're artists. We're stealing that. <laughs> did you fact check that by any I chance? did, and it was a really long article, but it said it had been in the past attributed to, or, to Stravinsky, and mm. Steve Jobs is the one who attributed it to Picasso. So someone said it. There was an error along the way, and <laughs> we are continuing the error yeah. with yeah. reckless abandon. Okay, so if anybody asks me, I'm going to say that Ellie said it now. Yes. Um, you can tell uh, me this the is host a quote of... from uh, <laughs> a guy who works uh, Brooklyn Free Radio, and uh, he Radio said it last Free... week. I'm, I have to jump in and say it's Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, but... Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> we can just talk about, uh, there's that show uh, with Daniel Radcliffe, The Life cycle of a lie we've seen oh, ads for that no. but it, it got me thinking just because you guys said that the like life ha- of a fact life of a fact something, of how like, that. That happens. something like that 
and just thinking tie that into stand-up comedy i definitely used to think things were true because i heard a stand-up comedian say it oh no i did i when i was a kid whenever i listened to stand-up and they would have these insane stories i would be like how how did that happen (laughs) he he was just there when when they were doing and like that prompted me to do a bunch of like stupid, ridiculous things as a teenager because <laughs> right. I'm just like, this is how you have funny things. You just you do yeah. the stupid stuff. And then when I was older, I'm, and they're just like, oh, that was all fake. I'm like, so, yeah. so I went to a, gra- a random graveyard at like 3 a.m. <laughs> for, no for no reason. reason. There's no rule that says the joke had <laughs> yeah. to have happened. Yeah. <laughs> like like you have that joke. Uh, you're like, I moved to New York from Tampa with nothing but a crate of oranges. Oh, yeah. And like so, five-year-old me would have been like, how did he fit those in this car? Yeah, you know? I, I had said something like, I don't worry, I had an emergency kit. But unfortunately, it was from Tampa. It was a crate of oranges, uh, some, uh, green flip-flops, and a loincloth. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. I can't remember the structure. Yeah. Really, but yeah. Like, but it in- didn't happen like that. But I, there's some truth in it. Yeah. I moved here from Tampa. You did move here from Tampa. Um, so, yeah. so Jumped uh, into sketch, uh, stand-up, uh, improv. Improv was next. Yeah, the reason that happened is... I was, so now fast forward a couple of years. I'm mm-hmm. in New York. Things are going a little bit better. This was what, right around when we met? Uh, just before we met. Okay. Can I, and, can I ask just before you go on mm-hmm. to get a better picture, what are you doing while you're taking these stand-up classes? Like, oh, what are you God. doing here? Well, that's that's a story in itself. Because like I was I was telling you about that my first thing here was a food hack. Well, I figured out if I put a suit on, a nice suit, okay. I could walk into a hotel and look like I was staying there and get the breakfast. So I'd put a suit on, go upstairs, come back down, and just grab myself a nice breakfast. Because most hotels have a free breakfast, and I needed to eat. So I And people th- don't hand in their keys. They okay. throw them on the ground. So I would have a key just in case someone asked. And I would just, you know, if someone asked, which they almost never did. Uh, did um, you have people asking you? Because I think that would scare me the most. Only one time did anyone ask me. Is this like, are these like Hampton Inns, or are they like... Comfort Inn, like a Holiday Inn is a good one. They all have breakfast in the morning. So I just, and if you're not going to, if a guy comes in with a suit, uh, dead of winter, you know, so it cold for a second, but they're, they're not going to go, I wonder if he snuck in here yeah. and decided to come in just for an orange juice. Like they just assume, like nobody's IDing people at the breakfast. So this is when you were, you were living in your car at this point. That's when I was living in my car. Yeah. I figured out that. And then I figured out how to. So uh, at the time your only, uh, your main expenses were gas to run your car for the night. That was it. Yeah. Parking's pretty. And instead of paying for an apartment, I paid for comedy classes. And you found places in like Brooklyn and Queens to park overnight. Yeah. I found a uh, really good spot where nobody would bother you. And uh, yeah. That worked out. That's pretty wild. You've got a you've got a real life comedy origin story right there. I know it's that's a Jim Carrey story. It's crazy a little bit, but it was also like it was exciting enough, and uh, I didn't worry. It was to me, it was like ah, there was this great relief. Like this is what I should be doing. I just had that sense, and the sense was so strong that I would yeah, it was uncomfortable, but so was camping. But we do that. I saw it as this great adventure. It was like, it's great. Like I'm going to reflect upon this and be happy that yeah. I did this. There, I can I can live with this choice. Can I? And, should, I'm sorry. Continue, please. Please. But so then I um <clears throat> I started figuring out you could get free offices. You know, there were these coupons. To, it was a place called Liquid Office or something like that. There's some other ones, and. They had emailed all these coupons out to people, but I had a lot of email addresses. And so I had a whole bunch of hundred dollar coupons. So I just cashed them in. I started going to these offices. I was like, wow, this is great. I can write comedy in here at night. I'll do my show and then I'll sleep in my car. So I was doing that and you know, they would approach me sometimes and they'd say, Hey, you know, uh, you could get an office here regularly. I was like, eh, you know, (laughs) I'm good. <laughs> I'm here Did you mention you. money and dues? And no. they didn't know because they were getting money from the website. So they assumed I paid. They didn't assume I was living in a car and used a coupon. You know, right. show up in a suit. They're like, oh, wow, pretty neat. This guy's a comedian. And this and was that, an intentional thing. Like every day you'd make sure to look your best and yes, your, that's your timing. Yes, I made sure that I, that I really looked like, uh, you know, uh, I fit in. I didn't, I had a theory. I called it small footprints. As long as I, and then I made sure to tell them I do comedy. So if they saw something quirky, they would go, yeah, he's a comedian, yeah. that guy. Right. So, um, 
Well, one day uh, I had an office. I had it for like six, six or seven hours and I fell asleep there. <laughs> and then I woke up in the morning and no one was there. So I went to my car and went, wow, I just had a good night's sleep. I wonder if, well, eventually I got caught. So uh. I got caught. I couldn't use the coupons anymore. So I approached uh, the place that told me, hey, I'll give you an office for $300 a month. So That's I went sweet. there and I would go there during the day and sleep in my car at night. But then one day I fell asleep. But that in doesn't. The I'm again. just gonna stop you there for a sec because that doesn't sound comfortable at all. Like that sounds like your back must have been hurting in the morning. You had to shower what at like gyms. Yep, I had a. I used a Groupon that I had and had a gym, so I'd go to the gym. So how did you shower. have time for comedy for doing all this? Like I, I work and I, I don't. I have a hard time getting to open mics. It was relatively a simple life. Wake up in the morning, uh, somewhere around you know six o'clock. Uh, you know, I feel kind of. Because you know, in the right. car, I need to get out and stretch. But my car's comfortable. I had this seat down or whatever. Okay, wait, what kind of car is this? It's like a, a small little Ford Focus. Okay. Yeah, it okay. wasn't wow. too bad. It really wasn't too bad. So I had the blankets, and everything, and I would go, go to the gym, uh, take a shower, work out a little bit, uh, take another shower, change clothes, put my dirty clothes in a bag, put my clean clothes from my backpack on, and then I would head to the office. I look. You know, I'm yeah. freshly showered, go to the office at the end of the day, having written jokes and worked on, I would spend about half the day on structure. How am I going to continue to live in New York? That was important to me. And then the other half on joke writing, then I would go do an open mic and then I would go to the car. Well, eventually I figured, why don't I just stay in the office? Everybody leaves at four. So over time I converted the office into an apartment. I just turned it into one and when people come at six in the morning, I had my alarm. So I'd get up, kind of change things over, you know, think things like Murphy bed where everything yeah. goes away. It was like a transformer. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> it was like, hey, it's an office. Wait a minute. I walked by here 15 minutes ago and you were in a bedroom. Nope. It's an office. All right, then. Well, he's a comedian. <laughs> I hear that. Wait, that's that's really crazy. This and this is the $300 office that you were you were in. Is this like a like a Regis like? I'm trying to paint a picture here of like what, right. this, what, what this looks like. It's I've heard this story kind of so much that I, it doesn't surprise me anymore. So I'm going to let you take over right now. Yeah, because you know the whole thing. I have a lot of questions. Yes, so it's fire fine. away. You have multiple different companies and they all have their own little offices. And okay. so you have a degree of privacy and everything. And when you have that, you get a lot of open-minded entrepreneurial types, right. right? So the people that are there are, first of all, people live in a bubble. They're not going... I wonder what Mac's doing. I know I got a lot of work and there's emails to answer. What is Max doing? I gotta know. Yeah. Right? Like nobody yeah. cares. Nobody cares. I work in That's an open workplace all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I work in an open workspace and I'll be like checking Facebook on my computer and people will be sitting right next to me and won't even look at my computer. They're so focused on theirs. So yeah. I totally, it People sounds ridiculous, problems, but yeah. yeah, they're, they're worrying about their kids or their boss or their, or their apartment lease. Or the fact that they have to sleep in a car at night. Exactly. And they, and they, <laughs> or they heard snoring Hello, from their darkness, next. <laughs> what would happen if one day you just like, you like when you were in that circumstance, you just like looked up, like everybody like in the same suit, everybody's you looking at each other's screens, everybody's doing comedy. <laughs> we all find out like, wait comedians. a minute, I thought you were, yeah. Oh God, that's great. I'll go great. to your car, the same car, <laughs> same parking lot. blown away at the waste of, uh, so here's what I mean by waste. At four o'clock, everybody was gone. So you have this office that, by the way, Looks like a suite. There's a huge kitchen. There's a conference area. Yeah, they're pretty fancy. These I days. used to sit in a conference with Netflix on, my feet up in the air, go really? on the balcony, have a cigarette, go in the kitchen with a hot plate, cook up. The security guards caught me, and they knew. And so it was okay. In fact, I have the craziest story. But like they were on your side. You would like pay them off. They were on food. my side. You would First like give all, them a hot dog from the grill. I would feed, yeah, I would, I would, uh, I figured out how to get free blue apron because you could get it free. Uh, you can sign up for it and get a free week. So I'd sign up for it. And then I would sign up for it w with the office right next to me and the office right next to me. <laughs> and so they would be like, well, I don't know why it's got an office and that office ain't here, but it says eighth floor. It's got your name on it. Guess it's yours. <laughs> yes, it is. And in the beginning, it was, uh, they would give you, Four weeks free, and then if you recommended a friend, they would get four weeks yeah, free. So you, so you would just recommend yourself. yourself, right? And by the way, 
uh, we're living in the heyday of free and people just don't realize it. How many apps out there give you a free week, a free delivery, a free thing? Yeah. Uh, at and the time, all, all they ask to do that is your email address and name for most part. Email address, any name you can come up with, and a phone number. And you can use apps like Text Me or Text or even Google. to get a free Google, phone you can create Or Google Voice will give you a free phone number. Just yeah. keep making your phone numbers. But uh, so I feel like we're is, one step away from like becoming a conspiracy theory radio show. I don't know. I feel like we're like on the border of like with just a few simple apps, you can right. scam the system. Well, I think this is more of a uh, so the key really is to keep doing comedy and just survive. So the amount of energy put towards it is just enough so that I can focus more on comedy than anything. And like I say, like there was a time when I had a hundred free rides on an Uber because I would just refer myself or, uh, these apps have since come and gone. Like I would have an app like, Hey, try us out for a week, get a free food. And I would yeah. just keep researching those and keep having things coming. And I would just sit there, have these things delivered to me. And it wasn't, it was pretty cool to have this office that I would convert into a bedroom and then sit in the people were like, you're living in a mansion. Why didn't I think of this? Yeah. Come 4 p.m. And by the way, well, I didn't see other people because I would go to the library during the day a lot of the time and I would work at night. Right. So my hours started. People would be leaving and I'd be coming in. Well, to reply why people <laughs> didn't do this, I think it ties into why you do comedy to begin with. I think to some, even to me and I do comedy, I it think sounds... that, that would be a very stressful life for me. Yeah, but... it wasn't. I was, would it be stressful to you? Do you think? Um, yeah. It would be, I think. I mean, personally, huh. uh, I'm just somebody. I'm just somebody who is very stressed about that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, and just very raised with that uh, work mentality. Get a job, that kind of thing. Right. Um, it requires. My, father, my father's a lawyer. I'm not sure if that says enough, but um, <laughs> that would that would just endlessly stress me out. In addition to my normal level of anxiety. Yeah. Didn't... That kind but of thing would just freak me out. To... Especially, I wouldn't. I like, for example, I would. Barely be able to sleep at the thought of a security guard picking, like catching me. Yeah, me too. Well, if, I, knew, if I remember, they were on my no, side. No, but 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 imagine I, if you snored and someone came into the office late. That happens. People come into office late. You can oversleep. It happened about three times. Really? What they in do? a very long period of time? They came in. Uh, one time they came in drunk, and uh, I I heard the. A strange disturbance in the force. <laughs> There's a strange someone's in the building. Uh, actually, it was kind of cool. Like uh, these these two people in the office came in and they were drunk, and they brought in like five girls with them, and they're like, "Hey, this guy's a comedian." And all these drunk girls are like, "Why you? <laughs> you're your pajamas." Uh, I'm like, uh, "Let me hide these slippers real quick." Yeah, but I'm just working late. Did I just see a bedroom? No. Come on, this is an office. I'm just working late. Just working. Oh, are you in a, a onesie comedian. brushing your teeth? <laughs> it's for a bit. Yeah, like it's it's amazing what people don't see. And it's amazing the, the waste, like all this, this yeah. office, this huge space that I got to live in was just unused after four o'clock. I mean, so I own, it was great. I mean, I, I've worked in a lot of like, we worked in random things. So I always but, wondered what would happen um, if you just slept over there. I didn't know that was like against the rules. Well, Here's you thought it and then he was just like, why not try it? It, <laughs> it seems it to have worked. takes a lot of, uh, the reason I didn't have anxiety is because it took a lot of discipline. And I need that structure. I need the structure yeah. of at six. I have I want to, to wake talk up to you about your structure and your process. I was in the office and then I would take uh, comedy classes. And the improv, by the way, the reason that came. I think Max has a question for oh, you. Oh, go for it. Um, no, I, wanted, I just want to keep hearing about what was oh, going on. Okay. Although I was a little curious how, like, improv why, came while second. you're improv came second. Yeah. But while this is going on, again, just so I get a complete picture of this. Okay. You're doing all of these life hacks, right? Which I think is a strong word, but <laughs> this this is uh, this, we'll this, go. It's a whole journey here. Yeah. yeah, we don't have enough time to unpack. That. We we do not. But you're doing this for how long? Um, let's see. Uh, so I did it all through my stand up classes, which was how long? Uh, a couple of years, and then um, you know, it was a while. It was a little yeah, while, but luckily, but then I started working his way up out. in life. Yeah, but that was just when you first got out. here. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, because this ties into, at least for personally for me, so one thing I deal with is uh, focus, and uh, I think the uh, 
terminology. The Dwayne Reed terminology is ADHD. Uh, and I thought that was really funny, but no one laughed. So I'm going to be sad for a second. I was the one uh, telling you uh, you should get checked out. Yeah, it, Timmy, Timmy is the first one who was like, dude, like you are like me. You've got ADHD. And uh, I just want to ask you, because one thing that is hard for me is, and the reason this would be stressful is uh, procrastination and planning. I get distracted very easily. Mm-hmm. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think one thing you do, which is cool, is you just have so many things going on that when you get distracted from one thing, you just are working on another thing. Is that something you do? Or, or is that just not something you... Because uh, I've seen your setup. You've got like three right. monitors. You're okay. always like bouncing. One, you got Evernote on one. You've got like, you've got your paying your credit card bills on the other. And the third one, who knows? Like, I but need like, a massive amount of stimulus. If, I, if I'm doing just one thing, like for instance, uh, reading a book, very tough for me. I'll read and then I'll, I'll see something. I'll be like, oh, I got to look yeah. this up. And then that'll lead to something to something. So what's helped me the most is having a lot of structure. And that structure does include lots of things. Mm. So if I go, all right, I'm working on stand-up comedy right now, but I'm bored, so I'll work on my schoolwork. Because I figured, oh, the next step is I could go to school for theater. So yeah. I, I went from stand-up comedy classes to improv classes. The theater so, classes. To theater classes, which got me into acting. And all of that was just to make me a better stand-up comedian. Yeah. But so I would go... Yeah, I would work a little bit on a life hack for a little while or something, some kind of system for making money or something. And there's a lot of ways. But to has make that money always been a strength of yours? And... Has structure always been a strength of yours? Because I know. No, I had really? to learn that. I had to learn that my life was a complete and utter train wreck. And the reason was I had, I would have an idea and have to write it down. I wouldn't get back to these things. So I built all of these habits that felt awkward and weird at the time, but now feel great. Yeah. Like I have so many structures in place. That's something you taught that's me. That's what gave me the peace of mind. Like that's what made my, uh, that's why I didn't have anxiety. I don't typically have a large amount of anxiety at all, but uh, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. And what happened was it felt great to have, it was like uh, military. Like there wasn't time to have anxiety because I had to be up at eight or I had yeah. to be up at six. Then I had to be at the gym. Then I had to be here. And as as I got more comfortable in New York and didn't have to worry about those things, I carried the discipline of that with me. But that's so what's weird I about having different to. different uh, challenges mm-hmm. is I feel like Max, who I've known for a while too, mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't necessarily know if he'd understand. What, for let's say for me, if I try and edit, I've wanted to edit forever, mm-hmm. but I sit down on my computer and I'm instantly dis- distracted, or I'll run into an issue and I'll. Be like, all right, I'm going to quickly go on to like a bo- uh, forum and figure out how to deal with it. And then that takes me off to some YouTube thing. And I literally will wake up half an hour later thinking, what was I Hyper- doing? Half they call that hyper focus. Right. But, but that's, that. Whereas like Max can, can focus and edit and you're really good at that. So I think it's interesting how you just aren't anxious. So we're all just finding ways that we can leverage what we have. Yes. I had to build tools. Because I had what I saw as, some people saw as gifts, you know, outgoing, lots of energy. To, I saw these as handicaps because uh-huh. it didn't work in regular society. So, so relatable. <laughs> I was so, I felt really, I, I just felt no matter how bad things got, and they got bad. I got my car broken into, lost all my clothes because yeah. I had just done laundry. Like I had so many bad things happen, got booted with the boot thing. I had to pay a $900 fine. Like, Time and time again, things kept hitting me, but I would turn them into comedy or whatever. But uh, as I built, I read a book on habits and that helped me immensely. So I would build all of these, these habits and Evernote. I you oh, know I talk yeah. about Evernote. You do a lot. I use and, it. I use it. Is, isn't it great? So I, open, I don't, the first thing I do in the morning before I do anything, before I urinate, you know how great it is to wake up and just urinate. It's it's one of the few uh, joys of a free people. Before I do that, I get on Evernote and I look at my day and I set it up the night before and it has a list of everything I need to do. And then I, it all just kicks in and it feels exciting. I go, okay, I know what I got to do today. I can bounce between these 10 tasks. I try to stay focused on one. I do the, you know, eat that frog. The theory Uh, is no, the worst thing you could do any day is wake up in the morning and eat a live frog. And so the theory is if you wake up and do that, 
you feel like after that you can do anything. So the, the theory of it is do the hardest thing first, it, no matter how hard it is. Once you do that, it gives you motivation. So if you finish a task, you would think your reaction would be, oh my God, I just finished the task. I'm now so tired. The opposite happens. When you finish a task, you're like, I can't believe I got that done. I have ADHD and I did a thing to completion. I am gone. <laughs> yeah, it feels really good I to check it. things off your list. And it feels great. And then you do okay. the next things. And then you know, well, I did the hardest thing. So then the next things come. And at the end of the day, I have a little section that says mm-hmm. accomplishments. Well, just so as I a side point for, to clarify, and we're mm-hmm. going to jump back into this. Timmy has, you've using your life hack acumen, you've, <laughs> You've crafted Evernote to fit your. That's very needs. true. I have a. You template. have a template. You you are, you know how you're a coder. You were a professional coder for a few years, so that's true. Evernote does have like a back end. I don't know if that's the right term, but uh, a, yeah, an a area cloud, like, a, where you can code your own templates and your own processes. So well, coding, yeah, uh, using that term loosely, I do a lot of that. I build right. these little bots and little systems for you know travel right. hacking, life hacking, and, and for my own safety net in your brain but you're right i have it i have it set up and when people look at it like how'd you come up with that well not in one day right i decided i had a problem with sometimes with depression and so i made an evernote file for depression because when i was depressed i realized i don't do the techniques that i know work Mm. so as i've learned about me i if i'm on the let's say i'm on the subway right now and max says you know i learned something about depression today when I dance, for some reason, I can't be depressed. I would actually go, hold that thought. I would open my Evernote, open up my depression file, and add it to it. And then later, I would research that, and, and I would test it out. I actually, in a, in a crazy way, just in case you thought I was even slightly sane, <laughs> I treat my brain like a computer that I'm programming. So I keep these files. I have a file for... uh you know, stage fright. If I encounter, I have a file for all these things and I've built them up over the years and I refer to them constantly. I am on Evernote about 50% of my day and it makes me faster because I know what to do. You know how scrambled minds can get. This isn't about comedy, but I read somewhere about, uh, I'm not even going to try and pretend where I read it, but it was saying how (laughs) Max hold his feet to the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, did you read it? I think Picasso said it actually. Picasso might've said, um, (laughs) You know what? I'm going to oh, he's just salvage on forward. He doesn't um, need facts. <laughs> um, right? Um, the idea that... Oh, see, you, you, you razzed me so much, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, let's see. We were talking about Evernote. We were talking about... Oh, yeah. So, files. you know, like Neuralink, I thank you, and like cyborg brains. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's this really interesting idea of how when I text you, Right. What am I doing? I'm sending, I'm taking information, I'm downloading it to my phone, sending it to you, and you're instantly downloading it to uploading it to your uh, brain right. using it's your like eyes. Two computers talking. And it's all about shortening the gap. So, right now, what you have to do is every night you have to input your using your thumbs, two thumbs, which is very inefficient compared to a full keyboard. I so, actually talk to text too. So, that, right. that's a little bit more efficient. A little more so, efficient. And it's all about shortening that gap. And the, the closer we get to like that cyborg reality, it's all just about shortening the gap so that it's easy. Like there's less, it used to be you had to type it. Then you could quickly do it with your thumbs with like swipe or T9 or whatever. Right. And then you had voice. Now we have voice text and I Siri. It. And it's have... all about shortening it and shortening it so that the technology, because what you're doing right now is you have a whole technology brain, but you just need a, the upload and download speeds are very My slow. My memory is Evernote. Like if you were like, what's the password for anything? I'd be like, give me a second here. Let me access my memory node. <laughs> da, 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 get on Evernote. And, you know, like you use. Please uh, don't hack it. Any Wonder of our List. Evernotes. No, I don't. Uh, I used to use Wonderlist. That I term, by it. the way, uh, when I say life hack uh, and when I say uh, hack, I don't mean breaking into. No, I was, so, I was just telling no. our listeners, please don't hack our Evernotes because we have important information on it. And that would be a sucky thing to do. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can double protect and password the heck out of them. I do, and and you can download. Uh, you can have Evernote live on your own server, mm-hmm. like instead of their server. Is that so what you, you do? 
Yeah, I like to have it on my own computer. So I have a component that's on the cloud, and I have a component, uh, component that's uh, safe-kept for me Right. so when I get home. So I like to have access to the depression file and stuff like that. But mm. I wouldn't mind if someone looked at it. Like, <laughs> Imagine some file. guy in Russia is like, I'm going to hack this. Oh, my God, I must dance. <laughs> this guy is brilliant. I don't know who he is. Dun, 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 I'm not dun. sure. I must. Uh, did, I wonder if when he hacks them, he ever messes up the hack, and he's just like, okay, in order to solve depression, I must dance in a Hampton Inn at breakfast. In <laughs> this sounds crazy, but I think I will try it. Let me try. Let but me I must be wearing it. suit. Ivan, can I borrow your suit? <laughs> he says here, three shots of vodka and a dance. He's like, oh, no, this is my Evernote. <laughs> it does not include this. I just want to point out that, like, about five minutes ago, we actually did become a conspiracy theories podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, when we're the cyborg, after we, when we've gone beyond voice to text, now text we're at, like, is voice. Clickety-clickety-click, I'm hacking your information. Give me all of it. This American, this very, this dancing is very smart. I think it was Picasso who once said, <laughs> "You must dance to be happy." I, I had to look that up. <laughs> I must Google. This. I'm unsure. Then yeah. I found out that a, a small podcast said it in Brooklyn. I think he, he, Ellie or something like this. Uh, <laughs> Ellie Maxtimi. I think that is what the American name yes. is. All right, we have a minute left. I just want to quickly ask you, real quick. Uh, you've to got forgive a, us. You've we're, got your we're stuff. We're only comedians. You've got your stuff <laughs> like uh, under control, it sounds like. If you had advice for your 10-year-old self, what would it be? You have a minute, go. 10-year-old uh, self, uh, keep exploring and follow the fun and That's the keep, same the habits. Habits. Keep, keep, keep the, the habits. Keep the habits going. Build the habits and, uh, yeah, build, build your habits, build your life. Yeah, because we are, we are our habits. We're, we're just a, a series of habits. Yeah. The brain doesn't care if you have a bad habit or a good habit. And I feel like habits is something that I focus on. Quitting smoking, habit done. Jogging, habit added. <laughs> Delete file, add new program. Yeah. I look forward to uh, when we're on air long enough that we can have you back again because you've got a lot to say. Quitting smoking, we didn't even touch upon. There are so many things that listeners are going to say, why did you skip over that thing or that thing? Okay, thank you so much for joining us. And Mother Russia thanks you. And LA thanks you. 